With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 18, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is ready for uh, an interesting week 10 in college football. That is right. I cannot believe it. Yes, we are previewing week 10. It feels like just a minute ago, I was sitting here talking Georgia Clemson, LSU, UCLA, Alabama, Miami, on and on and on. Yet here we are, week 10. This is, of course, the second episode of the week. We did the first look on Monday. Now I have had a chance to dive deep into these games. And what an interesting slate of games it is as Alabama hosts LSU. Auburn travels to Texas A&M. I made Auburn fans. I got Auburn fans really mad at me earlier this week. We'll talk about that. Ohio State, Nebraska, uh, and Wake Forest, North Carolina, kind of an interesting game. Clemson, Louisville, on and on and on and on and on. Busy week 10. A lot to get into. All right, before we get to the week 10 slate in college football, you know what I want to do? I want to welcome back our partners, our friends, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook, which has become an incredible partner of college football betting with Aaron Torres, and they got a special offer for listeners of college football betting with Aaron Torres. Here is the deal. New users can sign up for any pro football game, okay? It's got to be the pro game, got to be the pro game, but you like KC, you like uh, Tennessee, now that they signed Adrian Peterson, you love Adrian Peterson, right? Got to go bet on Tennessee, $5 on any game for new users, and if that team wins, you automatically win $200 in free cash. One pick, one money line win, $200 in free cash, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's what you have to do. Click the link in the show description. So if you listen on iTunes, if you listen on Spotify, there will be a link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $5 money line bet on any pro football game, anyone. You like KC, you like Seattle, you like Arizona, you like Green Bay, doesn't really matter. Just pick a team, $5 money line bet, and if your team wins, you automatically win $200 Thanks to our friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. It is the best offer going in sports betting, so act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP 
in Arizona or call or text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Again, in Tennessee, must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager on this particular bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, let's get into this week 10 slate in college football. Cannot believe that we are already in week 10 in the college football season. And if there's any metaphor for how weird this year has been, how quickly this year is going by, look no further than what, what should be the signature game of this weekend, Alabama LSU. It is always one of the signature games in college football. It is always one of the games that we have circled on the calendar. And this year, it's basically just completely forgotten. Alabama comes in as a 28 and a half point favorite. The over-under is set for 66. And I'll just tell you, I think both those numbers are kind of right. In terms of the game itself, let's start with LSU because I'll just say, even to backtrack, I talked a lot about both of these teams on Monday's show. And I don't think that much has changed in my opinion about these two teams. First of all, when it comes to LSU, I will say there has been a little bit of a development since the last time I recorded. That is this. Did you see that weird Coach O press conference on Monday or Tuesday where he basically threw everybody under the bus, including himself? If you haven't seen it, we posted it at the Aaron Torres podcast YouTube, uh, uh, the Aaron Torres podcast Twitter page, and basically Coach O was asked about the self scouting process during the bye week, and he basically just says, "Yeah, we stink at everything. We're too predictable on first down. We're too predictable on second down. We're too predictable in run plays. We're too predictable in pass plays." Uh, he basically just said, "My coaching staff stinks. I stink." We stink, and I, I think it was clear to me that there is a very clear disconnect between the coaching staff, the players, between Coach O and his staff, and I don't think that's the best thing going into this Alabama game. What I would also say on top of that, I've talked about it for weeks, but it is always worth revisiting here with LSU, and that's that they're really banged up, and that even though they have kind of recruited at this really high level, you think maybe the talent can rise to the occasion and play well against Alabama, I just don't think they have the horses to do it this weekend. I talk about it all the time, but they are down their top two cover corners in this game, two guys that are future NFL players, all-American caliber uh, cornerbacks, and Derek Stingley, who will be a top 10 pick in this coming NFL draft, Eli Ricks, who will be a first-rounder in the 2023 NFL draft, not this coming year, but the following one. They're both out. A starting safety is out. That is bad news against an Alabama team that is throwing the ball for over 300 yards per game. And so I think that is a metaphor for this game and how I look at it. I've said it for weeks. Listen, I, 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 I got to call it like it is. And if you listen to this podcast, the Aaron Torres podcast, uh, my YouTube channel, whatever, I don't think this is a vintage Alabama team. I think this Alabama team has real weaknesses. I think they have real ways to be exploited. I just don't know that LSU is the team to do it. And so when I look at this game, think about it like this. How can you beat Alabama? How did Texas A&M beat Alabama? How have they been exposed? How did they struggle against Florida? Well, it comes down to a few things. One, when it comes to Alabama, uh, they do not have a very good secondary right now, okay? Their secondary is struggling. They rank 53rd nationally in pass defense. You go back to that Tennessee game about two, two and a half weeks ago, Hennon Hooker on one leg, the Tennessee quarterback, was able to move the ball through the air against this Alabama team. Well, 
Again, what did I just tell you? LSU's top two cover corners are out of this game. On top of that, Bryce Young has on the offensive end received a lot of pressure. He has been sacked 18 times this year in eight games. That is in the bottom half of college football in terms of total sacks allowed on a season. And so why do I bring it up? There are very clear ways to beat Alabama. Get pressure on Bryce Young. Make He doesn't make mistakes. I am so impressed by Bryce Young, but you got to get pressure on him and you got to make him uh, you know, throw the ball away, not get the ball to Jamison Williams, all his wide receivers. But what I'm telling you is I just don't think that LSU has the guys to get pressure on him, to make him get rid of the ball quickly. And then I don't think they have the corners to cover Alabama's receivers who aren't even elite by recent Alabama standards. On top of that, I don't think LSU has the defense uh, or the skill position guys on offense now that my boy Kayshawn Boutte is out for the year. Um, I, you know, where how are they going to beat that Alabama secondary? On top of that, the run game again struggled for LSU in the most recent game. Remember, they had about two games where they really ran the ball well. One was against Kentucky, even in a loss. But then after that, they took care. They ran the ball effectively against Florida as well. Last game we saw him against Ole Miss, they averaged two yards per carry, and that's not going to get the job done. And so all of this is me kind of dancing around the subject, so let me just get right to the hypothesis of what I think about this Alabama-LSU game. I think there is a way to beat Alabama. I don't think that LSU has the players, the healthy players needed to execute that game plan. All right, let's get into the other big game in the SEC this weekend. There are a few other big ones, but the obvious big one is Auburn against Texas A&M, the only matchup of top 25 teams this weekend in college football, and I think this should be actually a pretty good one. Um, you know, to me, it kind of reminds me of that Spider-Man meme that you see on social media sometimes where you have the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. You look like me. I look like you. Who are you? Who's the real Spider-Man? That is kind of what's going on with this game, because I do believe that when you look at this matchup, it is two teams that really want to rely on the run game, rely on their defense, not put too much on their quarterback's shoulders and try to get out of games with wins, no matter how pretty or ugly they look. Now, in terms of this one specifically, what I will say, I got Auburn fans a little mad at me because in my pick'em column uh, at Aaron Torres Online, as I just mentioned, and I do not push my picks on you, but what I kind of said was exactly what I just said. I believe that Brian Harson right now is putting together game plans to try and limit what Bo Nix can and is asked to do. You can argue with me. You can debate with me. I'm just telling you that's my personal opinion of what I see every Saturday when I watch Auburn. Auburn fans got really mad, and this is what they said. Have you seen the passing stats the last few weeks? And I will say in their defense, they're right. 22 of 30 pass, thir 22 of 30 passing versus Ole Miss, 21 of 26 passing versus Arkansas. What I would say, Arkansas, 26 passes, that's not very many. 30 against Ole Miss, you kind of got to because you got to kind of play the Lane Kiffin game when you play against Lane Kiffin's team. But I don't believe that the point that I was trying to make has changed in that I do believe that Brian Harson is trying to take a lot off Bo Nix's shoulders and that essentially on top of that, it, that, that Texas A&M is uniquely built to kind of handle that and essentially take away the run game and put the ball in Bo Nix's hand and make Bo Nix beat you, right? I mean, that's kind of what Georgia did when Georgia played Auburn earlier this year. Georgia takes away the run game because Georgia's defensive front is awesome. Bo Nix has to beat you, and Bo Nix can't make plays. And so when I look at this game, I think Texas A&M has the ability to do the same. First of all, the run defense has been really good all year. We know that they have those elite 
difference makers up front. DeMarvin Leal, there's a couple other guys that, DeMarvin Leal, excuse me, I always say that name wrong. They got a couple other guys that are projected as early round NFL picks. And the last couple weeks, that run defense has really come along. Early in the year, it struggled. They actually weirdly struggled against Colorado. They struggled, I believe, I want to say, against Kent State in week one. But the last couple weeks, three of the last four games, they've, they've let up less than 100 yards on the ground and at the same time are having a lot of success running the ball as well. Now, what I will say is that Auburn defensive front and that Auburn run defense is probably better than anything that they have seen over that, that stretch outside of obviously Alabama, a game that they barely held on to win. But at the same time, as much as I respect what Brian Harson has done, it is not as though Auburn's uh, defense has been unstoppable over the last couple weeks as well. Uh, Arkansas rushed for over 230 yards against them two weeks ago. Last week, they're playing a banged-up Ole Miss team, and that's really what it comes down to when I look at this Auburn team and why I got so much pushback from Auburn fans. Let's look at Auburn's resume. They're really an impressive team. I am genuinely impressed with Brian Harson. They are 6-2. and two. I believe they are ahead of schedule. But this run that they're on, first of all, they lose to Georgia. Okay, everybody loses to Georgia. No big deal. But LSU game. I've said it before. They were down nine points. They were down two scores going into the fourth quarter. LSU has a complete meltdown. And we find out since then, LSU's not very good. Then they play Arkansas a few weeks ago. They win 38-23. to But I'll be honest, you, you know, you look at that box score, it, it's hard to see how, how, uh, how Auburn won that game. Arkansas had uh, more first downs. Arkansas completed a better or converted a better percentage of third downs. Arkansas had more total yards in that game. They absolutely were able to run the ball more effectively. And so I only bring it up to just say, let's be honest. Let's look at this Auburn team objectively. And let's say this, Texas A&M coming off a bye, playing their best football. Auburn, to their credit, playing their best football as well. But their last three SEC wins, they trailed by nine going into the fourth quarter, were able to win. They got outgained by Arkansas, were able to win. They played a banged-up Ole Miss team playing their fifth straight SEC game last week when, by the way, Auburn was coming off a bye. And it's also worth noting they only scored three points in the second half of that game. So, Auburn fans, you can get mad if you want, but those are the facts. I do believe that AM is uniquely designed to slow down this offense. Let's get to one more kind of marquee game, and then we'll take a quick break, come back and rip through some of the other ones, and that's the, uh, the, the Nebraska-Ohio State game. Ohio State's a 14.5-point favorite. The over-under is 65. It is down from 66. It is worth noting that Ohio State opened as a 15.5-point favorite, and it's down to 14.5. And what I would say about this one is sometimes when I go through and I look at these games from Monday to Thursday between the two episodes, I see a lot of difference in how I expect these games to be played out. This one is one I don't really see that much of a difference from Monday. The bottom line is, if you followed Nebraska at all, right, I have a, a, a funny policy where I don't, I, in the past, I have never bet games involving Adrian Martinez because Adrian Martinez makes the worst possible plays at the worst possible times, the worst possible turnovers, and we've seen it this year, right? Had that terrible turnover in week zero against Illinois. Had a, a, a crucial late turnover against Michigan that sealed the loss against Michigan. Had four interceptions last week against Purdue. But here's what's crazy. They're still playing com competitively in all these games. All these games are really close. Here are the final results of Nebraska's losses this year. So Nebraska right now is 3-6. and six. Here are the results of their losses. 8-point loss to Illinois. 7-point loss to Oklahoma. 
Three-point loss in overtime to Michigan State. Three-point loss to Michigan. Seven-point loss to Minnesota. Five-point loss to Purdue. And on top of that, this is the part that is also worth noting. On top of the fact that all those games were close, in three of those games, Nebraska outgained the opposition, including Michigan State, where they almost doubled up what Michigan State did in that game. And so when I look at this team, I'm just telling you, you can agree, you can disagree. We know about Ohio State. To me, this is all about Nebraska. And when I look at Nebraska, they have been knocking on that door. They're so close to breaking through. And I don't know if this is the game where they actually break through, but as I said on Monday's show, this is the best offense. This is the best offense that Ohio State has faced all year. Nebraska is ranked 16th nationally in total in total offense. They can move the ball. They have been, been very effective moving the ball. They have an especially good run offense as they average over 200 yards rushing per game. Ohio State, look, man, they played really well last week against uh, Penn State. I was very impressed, but it's not as though they played a flawless game, and it's not as though it was a game that they couldn't have lost. I talked about it on Monday's show, but first of all, Penn State, more first downs, better third down conversion, and you go back and think about that game, again, it was a nine-point final score Ohio State wins, but they had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and they had a, a Penn State had a touchdown pulled off the board. And so I could go on and on, but I see this game a lot like I saw it a few days ago. There was nothing new that I unearthed since Monday's episode. This is a game where Nebraska plays everybody close. They are at home. Their season is on the line. I would argue Scott Frost's job is on the line. If he gets blown out in this one, it's going to be really hard to justify things. But this team is fighting. This team is battling. I don't know if they get over the hump, but I have seen nothing that makes me feel like they can't keep this a one-score game, especially when you consider that Ohio State, of course, at home against Penn State last week uh, was only able to win by nine. I don't see this as a three-score kind of game, a 14-and-a-half point kind of game all right this is what i want to do want to take a quick break want to come back and i do want to rip through some of the other games in week 10 in college football a lot to peel back i'll be right back all right everybody i am back good to be back good to be back let's rip through the rest of this week 10 slate in college football and let's start with kind of a really interesting one, in my opinion. It is Kentucky at Tennessee, or K Tennessee at Kentucky, excuse me. Kentucky was a, uh, Kentucky opened as a five-point favorite in this game. It is down to a pick'em. The over-under is set at 56 and a half. So the question becomes, how did Kentucky go from a five-point favorite to a pick'em? And to me, it's pretty simple. And to me, what I would say is this. Listen, Kentucky fans, you know I love you. You know, I got nothing but respect for what Mark Stoops has done. I think he's done an unbelievable job at Kentucky building this into what I believe now is the second best team and program in the SEC East right now. But if you follow this team closely, they were due for a regression. Why is that? Well, first of all, they turned the ball over way too much, okay? Now, granted, they had four turnovers against Mississippi State, but coming out of the game against Mississippi State last week, they are now dead last in the country in turnover margin. Four total turnovers forced in eight games this year, 16 turnovers on their end. So when you're giving up, when you're, when you're turning the ball over twice a game and you're forcing a turnover once every two games, eventually that's going to catch up with you, and that's exactly what happened. On top of that, I'd say this about Kentucky, and I've said it for weeks, and I've gotten pushback for it, but I think I'm proven right. For months, 
I heard about this new look offense. You remember last year, Eddie Grant, oh my God, he's terrible, it's whatever. Bring in this kid, Liam Cohen. He was the wide receivers coach with the Los Angeles Rams. He's this great offensive innovator. I have no doubt that he is. But at the end of the day, whether uh, Mark Stoops isn't letting him call the plays that he wants to call, whether it's because Will Levis isn't doing what he needs to do, Liam Cohen, I believe, is a bright young mind. He had a great uh, play-calling kind of series and momentum in that Georgia game, but this offense is not clicking at all right now. Here is what Kentucky's offense has done in its last five games, okay? 16 points against South Carolina, not good. 20 points against Florida sounds good. Six of them came via special teams. So with respect to Kentucky, uh, 14 points in the offense, that's after 16 points against South Carolina. Now, they did put up 42 against LSU. That was a great game for them. 13 against Georgia, again, no shame, and then 17 points against Mississippi State. And so I'm just bringing this up to say, that is now an almost half a season sample size in the SEC and take out one game against LSU, the game that ultimately got Coach O fired. You have not put up more than 17 points as an offense since, uh, I don't know, about week four when you're playing UT Chattanooga or whatever. Uh, beyond that, what I would also say, Tennessee coming off a bye, really interesting Tennessee team. I will give them credit. I think they play really hard for Josh Heupel. And I will say, Hendon Hooker's been really good for them. Hendon Hooker has been a difference maker. Hendon Hooker has been really, really, really solid. This team has seemed to take off since he got under center. And I'll give him credit. They're moving the ball right now. First of all, last time we saw them, they put up 24 points. 200. Hendon Hooker had 282 yards passing, three touchdowns against Alabama. And he was basically doing it on one leg against Alabama. The week before, they put up 26 against Tennessee. But we all know they were scoring to, they were driving to win the game before Hooker went down. Then they had uh, 45 points against South Carolina the week before and 62 against Missouri. And so when I look at that, just think about what I just said. Kentucky has scored in its last five games once as an offense. They have broken 17 points. As for Tennessee, they have scored at least 24 in each of their last four SEC games. And so to me, I would just be careful if you like Kentucky. If you like Kentucky as a pick at home, I don't blame you. What I am just telling you is you're going to have to score to keep up with this Tennessee team. This Tennessee team isn't playing. This ain't Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee team. They ain't playing a 17-14 to 14 game at Kroger Field. They're going to move the ball. They're going to make you score. They're going to make you keep up. And my question is, can Kentucky keep up? Let's stay in the SEC. Another fascinating game. Arkansas facing Mississippi State. Mississippi State travels to Fayetteville for what it's worth. I kind of said it backwards. Arkansas is the home team here. Arkansas a five and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 56 and a half. And what I will just tell you about this game is this. And this is an incredible nugget to me. So Mississippi State, what do they do really well? They pass the ball, right? Obviously, they have a top 10 pass offense in college football. Just one problem. Arkansas has a top 10 pass defense in college football. How about Arkansas? What do they do really well on offense? Top 10 run offense. Well, Mississippi State has a top 10 run defense. And so fascinating battle of wills as Mississippi, Mississippi State's strength on offense goes up against Arkansas' strength on offense. Mississippi State's strength on defense goes up against Arkansas' strength on offense. And so fascinating dichotomy. And I don't even know how to begin to peel back the layers of this other than to say this. 
I do think Mississippi State is a little bit more susceptible if you can stop the pass because they don't even try to run the ball. Where Arkansas, yes, they would prefer to run the ball, but K.J. Jefferson has obviously shown an ability to pass 300-plus yards against uh, Ole Miss, 200-plus yards, about 230, 240 yards against Auburn and Texas A&M, and I think it's, it's pretty clear. You don't have to throw for 400 yards against Mississippi State. You just have to be able to throw the ball enough to soften up the defense. The other thing that I thought about coming into this game, last year, if you remember, Arkansas, their first win in years in SEC play. It broke a 20-game home win or 20-game SEC losing streak for Arkansas was against Mississippi State. And it came the week after Mississippi State destroyed LSU in that season opener. It was basically Bo Pelini was done before he even began as LSU's defensive coordinator. Why do I bring it up? I seemed to remember Barry Odom. Arkansas defense, Barry Odom is of course Arkansas's defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, oh my, Mississippi State threw for 400 yards in that game, they just turned the ball over for four, four times, and so this is one, again, I never tell you how to pick, I couldn't even begin to speculate or take a guess how this game is going to go, because it's strength on strength, offense and defense for both teams, uh, Arkansas does throw the ball a little bit better than Mississippi State runs the ball, if that makes sense. But also, I thought Mississippi State completely laid an egg last year against Arkansas, and they actually played better than I remembered. If they take care of the football, it might be a different game. Let's go. How about this? Let's go to the ACC for a minute, okay? How about you want a fun game? North Carolina taking on Wake Forest. Wake Forest, of course, is the number nine team in that first college football playoff poll. But if you want some speculation on how good or not good Wake Forest might be, uh, North Carolina is actually favored in this game. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 66. What's especially interesting about this game, this is just kind of a fun fact. It isn't really relevant to the line or the betting. Um, this is actually an out-of-conference game, so kind of a crazy story. These two schools are obviously Tobacco Road, North Carolina. We all kind of know the history there. They were playing every year. And then as the ACC expanded, they were off of each other's schedule in 2019 and 2021. And so the two schools actually elected to go ahead and schedule this game as a non-conference game. And because of it, this is technically a non-conference game. By the way, you don't think Wake Forest would like to have uh, Bowling Green or Akron on the schedule or my, my UConn Huskies instead of, uh, instead of North Carolina? It seems so. What you need to know about this game, that over-under sitting at 66, it sounds like a lot. I'm not really sure that it is, okay? So Wake Forest, I don't think people realize just how dynamic this Wake, Wake Forest offense is this season. They are one of the most dynamic scoring teams in college football. They actually rank number five nationally in scoring at over 43 points a game. And this stat kind of blew me away when I really dug into the box scores of their games. They have scored 35-plus points in every game this season. Um, but I, what I would also say, the defense has struggled a bit too. Take out that Duke game that they played last week, gave up 56 to Army two weeks ago, that famous game, 37 points to Syracuse on the road, and 34 points to Louisville. And so while Wake Forest remains undefeated at 8-0, in their la three of their last four games, they have given up at least 34 points on defense. That's obviously bad news going up against the North Carolina team that can move the ball. But what I would also say, this North Carolina team is struggling on defense as well. They gave up 44 last week to Notre Dame, 42 the week before to Miami, 35 the week before to Florida State. Duke they played earlier this year. You can't count anything against Duke. And 40 
35 against Georgia Tech, 39 against Wake Forest. So you go back in five of their last six games, North Carolina has given up at least 35 points in that game. And so fascinating that Wake Forest is considered an underdog. What I would say is uh, you could see a scenario where a lot of points are scored in this game. It is worth noting last year these two teams played. The final score of that game was 59-53. to When you put that into perspective, all of a sudden that over-under of 66 does not look that bad. Uh, Let's stick with the ACC. Let's talk about a game I talked a little bit about on last episode, and that is the Clemson-Louisville game as Clemson coming off that incredible cover against Florida State. I talked about it on last episode. They are a four-point favorite, and the over-under is set at 46-and-a-half. And this is another game where I don't really feel all that much differently than I did coming out of Monday's episode. First of all, with Clemson, we can criticize them for a lot. They remain an elite defense in college football, okay? Criticize Dabo for this, criticize Dabo for that. Number three scoring defense in college football, and also on top of that, a top 25 total defense in college football, which is borderline incredible when you think about how many plays this team is on the field any given week because their offense can't move the ball. What I also think about when I go back to that game against Florida State last weekend it's kind of crazy that 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 game was even competitive, okay? So first of all, the overhitting in that game is absurd because you had the final play of the game to push it over. But never forget, Florida State had a strip and score that led to a touchdown. They also had a fluky play where a Clemson guy tackled Florida State's wide receiver, but the kid's knee never touched the ground. He ran it in for a touchdown. So I bring it all up because essentially Florida State had 14 points on fluky plays a few weeks ago, or last week, excuse me, against Florida State. And so when I look at this game, I'll say this. Criticize Clemson. I do think they're starting to get a little bit better. They were able to run the ball against Florida State last week. Will Shipley is back and healthy. He was effective, 128 yards rushing, two touchdowns for Will Shipley. And what I would say, and I said it on last episode, but I think it's worth noting, if Clemson cannot get better passing Against this Louisville defense, Clemson is in big, big trouble. Louisville has the second worst pass defense in all of Power 5 football. Only Michigan State is worse. We'll get to Michigan State in a second. Uh, But they give up 281 yards passing per game. They also lost their best cornerback for the season. And so, DJ, if you're worth anything, if you're the five-star guy that you're purported to be, go make some plays. This is one I don't tell you how to bet for the a millionth time on this episode, but I've said the last few weeks, I don't think the line is right when it comes to Clemson. Maybe I'll look really stupid come about 7.30, 8 o'clock on Saturday night. This line feels about right to me. Let's rip through some big 10 games now uh, because there's a couple interesting ones. I do want to start with Michigan State and Purdue. This line was at 2.5. It's now at 3. And what it comes down to for me is a few things. Also, the over-under has gone from 53 to 54, and I think that's about right. Um, what this comes down to is really simple. It's two things. One of them is not really a gambling thing, but it is worth noting. How focused does Michigan State come out, right? Michigan State, of course, last week gets that crazy comeback win. And at some point, like, two things can be true. Michigan State plays a lot of close games, but they find a way to win all of them. And so that three-point spread would scare me a little bit if I was fading Michigan State in this game because they find ways to win these close games. If you think Purdue can pull the upset, just be warned. Nebraska probably should have pulled the upset back in like week four 
Um, Indiana could have pulled the upset. Michigan probably should have pulled the upset. And instead, Michigan State has won all of those games. Now, the big thing in this game does come back to what I just said a minute ago. Michigan State does have one very blatant weakness, and that is their pass defense. They rank 127th nationally in pass defense. That is the worst of every Power 5 team. Only Georgia Southern, Hawaii, and UNLV are worse when it comes to pass defense. I would also add, Purdue, for the most part, a pretty good pass offense. They are the third-ranked pass offense in the Big Ten, 16th in the country, but I will say they have not really been super effective moving the ball this the, these past few weeks. And so when I look at this game, it's kind of hard to project because Purdue's strength goes up against Michigan State's weakness, but at the same time, you think of Purdue as this high-scoring, high-octane offense. Here are the points that they have put up this year. The last five weeks, how about this? So they score 30 against Oregon State to open the season, 49 against UConn. 13 against Notre Dame, 13 against Illinois, 13 against Minnesota, 24 against Iowa, 13 against Wisconsin, 28 against Nebraska. So you go through, in their last, what is that, six games, they have not broken the 24-point mark in this game. So if you think they're going to hit an over, what you need to know is that essentially that would be out of character with everything that they have done all season long. Um, but also, their strength does go against Michigan State's weakness. That'll be fascinating. Last little game I want to get to, uh, well, a couple more we'll get to really quick. One, Michigan against Indiana. What I'll just say about this game really quick, um, Michigan, again, how do they bounce back? They have to play at Penn State next week. How much do they want to put on paper? What I would also say when it comes to to Michigan and Indiana is this poor Indiana defense, is just, or this Indiana offense is just terrible, okay? Indiana, in their defense, have played some really good football teams this year, but they can't move the ball against any of them. Six points against Iowa, 24 against Cincinnati, which maybe makes Cincinnati look bad. Zero versus Penn State. 15 versus Michigan State, 7 versus Ohio State, okay? So take out the Cincinnati game. Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, all elite defenses. 6 points, 0 points, 15 points, 7 points. You do some quick math, that's less than a touchdown a game. No more than 15 points against any of those teams. In Indiana's down to their third-string quarterback. The over-under in this one is set at 51. That does feel a little bit high to me, but again, I don't tell you how to bet. Uh, last game I do want to get to really quick. Oregon at Washington, and what's interesting about this one, I talked about it a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, uh, Oregon, how about uh, Jimmy Lake, the Washington coach, coming out and basically saying, we don't recruit against Oregon because we're an academic school and they're not. Well, I will tell you the line is moving in Oregon's favor. They went from a six and a half point favorite to a seven point favorite, the over-under set at 51. My only concern about this game, Washington is really struggling on defense. Washington struggles to stop the run. Oregon's offense is getting better every week, but Washington does have the number one pass defense in college football, okay? And so because of it, Anthony Brown, Oregon's quarterback, is not an elite quarterback. I could see him making mistakes. I could see him, this game being close because of that. In terms of the over-under, I will tell you, last week in my picks, I had the under in the Oregon game, but this is a game where, listen, the over-under is 51. Could I see them winning 31-21 to 21 in that over-hitting? I could. Could I see this being a 24-6 to 6 Oregon win in the undergoing way under? I could. But I would just warn you, uh, if you like this game, there is a lot to peel back, but all of the money is coming in on Oregon. 
All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, one, truly appreciate your support. Uh, I know I say it all the time. This show continues to grow. Appreciate everything that you guys do to get the word out on this show. And so if you are not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Music, uh, Google Music, uh, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to uh, these, these shows, please make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. If you enjoy this show, make sure to share. Make sure to follow me on social media at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod. And finally, Aaron Torres Online for my weekly picks. That is all. Make sure to subscribe. Everybody enjoy what said. I will be back. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.